We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you are listening to episode 29, approximately an hour and a half of devastation. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me this week again. How are you, sir? I feel like I, I just talked to you last week. Yeah, it was a week ago. We're doing this again. I'm doing great, by the way. And I, for one, welcome our new dragon overlord. Oh, man, he looks so rad, like rain and hellfire and destruction down on the people of Amon Ket. Yeah, and they probably deserve it, too. Uh, what did they ever do? Nothing. They're not good for anything. Exactly. So this week, uh, we are doing our preview show for Hour of Devastation, uh, as noted by the title. And uh, I think we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to touch on commons and uncommons mostly, um, focusing on the cards that you should be looking for at your pre-release and uh, probably touching on some synergies and mechanics as we go through. So uh, buckle in. We're going to be here for the next hour and a bit. And uh, we hope you get some good value out of this. So why don't we start with the white? Uh, where do you want to start with white? Um, there was a couple cards. I, so I did a set review. Uh, it did the, it like reviewed every single card, went over all of them, read them, rated them. I did that on stream. If you want the full six hour experience, you can go back and see that. I did that with Neil Oliver and we kind of got a grade for us from each of these using like the limited resources grade. So I thought I'd kind of pull out some of the cards that we thought were a little bit better than average at the common level for you to kind of be on the lookout for as you're going through. So I thought maybe we'd point out some of those and, and talk about those first and then let Dave maybe hit some rares that he wanted to talk about. And that would, should kind of give us an idea of, of, of what the cards do. Mm, sounds great to me. Let's uh, let's go. Okay, so first up, this is not an above average card, but it's one to be aware of as act of heroism. This is your white combat trick for the format. It's one in a white for an instant untapped target creature. It gets plus two plus two until end of turn and can block an additional creature this turn. It, important things to note, this is a two mana combat trick, not a one. It untaps your creature, meaning that you can use it as a surprise blocker in certain scenarios. Be aware when you do that, you're opening yourself up to like a removal spell to get two for one from your opponent. Um, but, just, you know, you may still need to go for it. And then the other thing is it does have some synergies with the exert mechanic and that you can untap a creature and get to use it again. But I mainly wanted everybody to be aware that there is a, a combat trick in white that untaps a creature for two mana. So as you're thinking about what to play around, this is something you need to be aware of. I wonder how frequently I am going to um, use or leverage the second portion of that where it can it can block an additional creature um because plus two plus two on most creatures is not enough to get a clean two for one or i guess yeah no two for one right like if, yeah. if you are blocking two creatures i think it's going to be difficult to make your creature survive um that combat in in some scenarios so um the untap and plus two plus two i think is huge like Dejero's resolve was okay in the last format you know sometimes you could sneak in a few extra points with the exert um, by untapping it on the next turn um, so it'll be interesting to see how this one plays that's one of the reasons I mentioned it um, is I, I don't think it's that hard to make the second clause relevant imagine that I have a hill giant and you have two grizzly bears and I attack you how do you play around this 
Yeah, exactly. Do, right. Do you double block and get blown out or do you attack me back and get blown out? Yeah. Like that, that seems pretty good to me. Uh, next card that was on my list for probably going to overperform is the Dauntless Avon. This is two and a white for a two, one flying bird. When it attacks untapped target creature, you control. Uh, so there's obvious synergy here with exert at the very least it can give itself or another crease, uh, creature, uh, vigilance. And then a lot of the exert abilities, as, as we'll see on some of the, the kind of cooler cards, are actually tap abilities that don't require them to uh, enter combat. So you're kind of able to use those twice in a turn uh, and get a, a lot of value out of what's already a pretty decent card. Like I was playing the the 2-1 Black Zombie Flyer in, in the last set relatively often. Not excited about it, but this this is that with a whole lot of upside. Yeah, the fact that it's got the evasion built in means it should be reliably untapping something on your side every turn. Um, I look forward to using it with the um, the mana dork in green, the um, uh, the the guy that makes one one vigilance creatures in white, um, and of course any of the other good kind of exert creatures that we have uh, from the previous block. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to drafting this one. I think it'll be a high pick on the uncommon side. Um, I it's don't know a if it'll common. be the I know. I don't know if it'll be the best uncommon uh, or sorry, a best common, but it will be certainly like, you know, not quite Gust Walker pickable, but pretty close, I would say. Yeah, I think so, too. Next one for us was a, actually an uncommon. It's uh, Desert's Hold. This is essentially a rest with an extra clause. It's two and a white for an enchantment or a enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack or block. Its activated abilities can't be activated. If you control a desert or have one in your graveyard, you gain three life. Oh, goodbye, arrest. I didn't realize we would find something strictly better so soon. Um, the activated abilities clause definitely gives us a leg up on compulsory rest. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously it doesn't have the, the two life gain strapped onto it for your opponent. Uh, I'm not too concerned about the uh, gaining three incidental life, um, but I mean, if it's if it's there, it's there. I might not jam a bunch of deserts in my deck just for the chance at three life, but if I happen to have deserts for other reasons, um, you know, maybe I have four or five cards that care about deserts. That's a nice little bonus um, that might get you kind of over the over the hump or around the the, the corner against um, an afflict or exert deck or something like that. Sometimes that three life might make a big difference. So uh, I look forward to drafting this fairly highly. Um, I don't know where in my pick order, but definitely one of the top uncommons, I would say. I, th I think so. Um, and it, it is a functional reprint, basically, of the card Arrest. It just has that Desert Clause tacked on there. Without that, every other time we've seen the card has been fantastic. Um, two other commons. Well, actually, there's a few more to probably be aware of, but I, I wanted to point out at the very least, Oketra's Avenger. This is one in a white for a 3-1 you may exert it when it attacks if you do prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to it this turn. This looks like the creature that's in the Gustwalker slot, a.k.a. the powerful attacker that can be exerted to force through extra damage for two mana. I don't think it's as good as Gustwalker, which is going to hurt that deck a little bit. But if the board is empty, this is able to get through for even more. Uh, and, and like you are going to need a four, power, four toughness blocker to block it when it's exerted. So I, I think the card is still quite strong, and this is probably our go-to card here. It's going to make you a little more susceptible to um, X1 hate, which I, I think we're going to see a good bit more of that in this format as well. But I, I think this is kind of your common two-drop to be aware of for white. I like that it doesn't get indestructible and that it instead gets um, prevent all combat damage because... 
I mean, just the one that I'm thinking of in particular is that one for spider, the 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 gold one, the green black one. <clears throat> yeah. That when it deals combat damage, it puts a minus one, minus one. This one, you know, can it doesn't get through it, but it certainly opens up the way for either itself or something else. So I think that's what I like about this card is that you can swing in with this and exert it and swing with other things. And now your opponent has to decide you know, do I do I block something else and maybe kill it and take three off of this thing? Or do I prevent the three that off of this thing and take two off something else? Um, and then, you know, maybe that opens up to like combat tricks or things like that. So I think you're if, if you're swinging with a bunch of things, you're probably also just throwing this in as well, just to try to force through an extra couple of points of damage. Yeah, I, I think it's our two drop that's going to attack. And like from aggressive white decks, that's probably what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, Sandblast is worth a mention. This is a reprint. We've seen it before. Uh, it's two and a white instant deals five damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Like we've seen cards similar to this before, like rebuke, which only worked on attacking creatures or silver strike. If you played in shadows, this one's going to work one way or the other, and you can't really play around it except decide what creature you want to, to give them the opportunity to sandblast. If, if you're in that position, we decided, um, after discussion, the first one's probably a C plus, and then they start to go down in value after that because you've got to hold up mana for this. If you're attacking and they block and you use it, you're not forcing through any damage. So it, it, it kind of works like a combat trick when you're attacking and a removal spell when you're defending. So just kind of keep those things in mind as you're playing with Sandblast. Five damage seems like a lot. You know, yeah. like like we had impeccable timing at three and we've had ones at, at four. Um We've had a four mana one that's just destroy target target attacking creature. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see if the five damage puts it higher than that grade, I think. Um, there's a lot of big butt things in this format. I mean, some of them are gods, which will just come back, which kind of sucks. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we paid four mana for four damage in the last set. Uh, you know, f- three, three mana for five damage seems like a pretty good price, even though it has to be attacking or blocking. Um, there's a lot of attacking and blocking that goes on. So I'm not too worried about the timing wise, but you're right. Like there is a significant cost to casting this if you're swinging in, um, and just like electrify holding it up, obviously there's a cat, there's a cost there. So, um, it doesn't get the things that you want to kill that have activated abilities that are never attacking. Um, but it does deal with like afflict creatures quite nicely. I think it hits all of them, uh, for the most part. I think there's maybe one that it doesn't hit. So I'm pretty happy to pick that up. At least like you said, the first one. Yeah, I think the first one's quite good. And then I think this card, it deserves a discussion because I I think it may be a little more powerful than it it looks on first glance. And that's Saving Grace. It's kind of a weird card. It's one in a white for an enchantment aura. Flash, enchant creature you control. When Saving Grace enters the battlefield, all damage that would be dealt this turn to you and permanents you control is dealt to enchanted creature instead. Enchanted creature gets plus O plus three. So this can be a fog. This can be a combat trick. This can sort of be a snipe your guy. This, this can do a lot of interesting things. It's like a conditional modal spell. So you said you've got fog. You said you've got combat trick. It's also it can, negate. It, I was going to say either negate or even redirect. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess you're kind of two for wanting yourself in that case, but I mean, in, in a pinch, if you need your your bomb creature to survive a sandblast you know saving grace might just two for one yourself in order to get rid of like a token or a mana dork or something like that that you don't need anymore um and and keep your bomb around in that case i mean unless your bomb is you know two toughness you just cast the saving grace on your bomb 
So oh, yeah, it, that's right. And yeah. now your bomb's better. So like it, it does all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like it could even be a scenario like if you're going to cast, I don't know, a damaged based wrath, for example, you could put this on one creature, have it die and all of your other ones survive. So like there's there's some little combos that you'll find in the set as you look through it. But it's like it on first glance, it kind of looks bad. But then as you go through and read it and think about all the different scenarios, it doesn't attack, it doesn't block. But if if you've got room for a modal spell like this, I think it does just enough to push this over to the edge of something I'm interested in. I'm not going into white for it, but if if I see this in my sealed pool and I've got some good white cards, I'm putting this in the deck. Yeah, the only thing it doesn't have is cycling. Yeah, yeah. That's essentially the only thing it doesn't essentially, have. Essentially, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this card works. Um, I hope that it'll be good because there's a lot of things you can do with this card. And then if you're lucky enough that it sticks around, now you have this big beefy butt, you know, whatever creature that'll just gain more value as the, as the game goes on. Yeah, big butts are great. I do like them and I cannot lie. I cannot lie. Cannot lie. And then uh, Steward of Solidarity, I think, is my last common that I wanted to make sure we got to discuss Um, because it's just a good. Well, actually, that's an uncommon, isn't it? Nonetheless, my next non rare that I wanted to discuss because it's just a grizzly bear with upside. And I really like the upside. It's one in a white for a two two human warrior. You can tap it and exert it, create a one one white warrior creature token with vigilance. It's like you play it early, you attack, you block if you have to. And then once a 2-2 has kind of outlived its usefulness, you can start making tokens every other turn and eventually get a kind of an army to overwhelm your opponent with. Okay, I, I have to not rant about this, but so we used to have grizzly bears, 2-2s for two. Yes. And then and then we had bears with upside, which were 2-2s for two with an ability. But now we have a bunch of 2-2s for two with an ability that's not that great, you know, like, or, or that that's, that's okay. Um, and now we have very few actual two twos for two. And now we have cards like this, which are like way better than the, 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 the two twos for two with an ability that we get now. So I, I'm proposing that we shift these. So now you have this card would be a grizzly bear with upside and a card like what's a card worse than gust Walker. Um, Maybe like a 2-2 mana dork would be like a bear with upside. Do you know what I mean? So now we've completely eliminated the bear, the grizzly bear from our vernacular. And now we expect all of our 2-2s to have an ability. And the ones with really good abilities are the bears with upside. Okay, can we start that train rolling here? Yeah, so you're saying like a 2-2 for 2 with trample is just a bear still. That's not a bear uh, with upside. Not anymore, because in 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 the new magic, creatures have been, you know, creeping, creepingly getting better. Is that a word? Yeah, They've power been a, creep, man. Power creep, right? And uh, and so now it really needs to knock my socks off in, er- in order to be a bear with upside. And this one does, doesn't it? Oh, God. I think if I only make one token off of this thing, I'm still pretty happy. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely great. Um, and we also liked the Sunscorch champion a little bit. I mean, not into, oh, my God, this card's amazing, but into, hey, this is not bad. Um, the Sunscorch champion is a two and a white for a two, three. When it enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to its power. That would be two. And then it has Eternalize for two white, white, discard a card. That means you can bring it back from the graveyard as a 4-4 copy of itself and gain four life. Like the discard a card is a cost, but you can always do that later in the game where it's a land or something that doesn't matter. And the fact that this has a very cheap Eternalize cost means that if if you trade it off, you know, on the turn you play it or chump block with it, you can even buy back a 4-4 quickly. Like a four mana 4-4 is often big enough that even if you have to discard a card... It's kind of worth having in play and you've gained six life over the course of this exchange. So like 
this card's not really a joke either. I think the incidental life gain in in white and I guess a little bit in green, uh, depending on on if you draft those cards or not, I think is going to be very important in this format. It mm-hmm. it looks like with the afflict and and still the exert that blocking is going to be very punishing. Um, and then black has a lot of those kind of curse style effects where uh, you're probably going to be taking three damage a lot. Um, I think having cards like this in, in your back pocket is probably pretty important. I don't know if I will be picking these high enough in order to actually draft them. Like I think people will pick them before me, but I would love to snap this up in pack two if I'm already white. And like, I don't care about discarding a land of this card for the most part, depending on if we're playing 16 or 17 in this format. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to gain six life off of these things. I'd probably yeah. jam like three of these in a deck and not really be sad about it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Card's good. What white rares did you want to talk about? And are there any commons or uncommons that I missed that you wanted to babble about? I think there was one that I wanted to babble about, and that was the Vizier of the True. Okay. So I hope you don't like blocking because Vizier of the True says that when you exert it or any other creature, you can tap target creature and opponent controls. So just to just to punish you for holding back to blocking uh this 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 is going to punish you further so um i don't know i haven't done a count on how much exert there is on attacks um there's a lot of exert on like tap abilities so for example the the steward of solidarity and things like that um so it'll be interesting i want to see how this card plays out i mean it works with the steward too man you just tap it make a token tap one of their guys exactly so if, if you can combo this with maybe the the dauntless haven or something like that like your opponent is just going to have a terrible time trying to block these cards. So um, I I would be aware of that one um, when you're facing a white deck. I think that's the only one that I that that I wanted to mention in in common and uncommon. Okay. And then you we're going to give Dave a couple rares out of each color for him to go nuts mm-hmm. over. How can we not mention adorned Pouncer the Cat, the one one double strike <laughs> for I one and a white. Now. Uh, it's a rare and it's got eternalized for three white white. So um, three white white to make a four four double striker. So we Seems would call good. this a cat with upside, right? A cat with upside. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It functions a lot like a a two one first. Well, yeah, I mean, it functions a lot like a one one double strike because it's exactly what it is. But you can trade it with bears. You can eat um, one power, one toughness attackers or blockers and attack through them happily. And then just eternalizing this and getting a. a almost an eight, four out of your graveyard without a card. This, this card's just not fair. And then anything you do to augment it, it gets double benefit from. So if you can put it, you know, a, an equipment on it or any sort of enchantment that gives it a, a bonus to power or any combat trick, they just get absolutely absurd cards, cards, nuts. I'm very curious to see how often this will actually get blocked. Cause the decision you have is, do I just take two every turn or do I block it with a 3-3 three, three or whatever and kill it and then give my opponent a 4-4 four, four double striker on some future turn? Like maybe even that turn, depending on what turn of the game it is. Yeah, like at a certain point, you can just chump attack with it and be like, what you going to do? Exactly. There, There's not a ton in this format that can deal with a 4-4 four, four double striker. Like cleanly, I mean, outside of the just the straight up removal spells. Yeah. Um. So I wouldn't spend a removal spell on this unless it's Magma Spray. Um, but I would obviously not hesitate to spend an electrify or something like that on it. Um, but you know, I, I could see some games where, you know, I'm like, I can't block that because I can't give you a four, four double striker that I just can't deal with it. Yeah. That's interesting. 
So it's almost like it has a flicked. Um, the Angel of Cond- Condemnation. I mean, we don't even have to talk about it. This card's amazing. Um, that's that's the the angel that exiles things, and then uh, so it, it can either blink things or it can exile things until it leaves the battlefield. We you know read that card. Just be be aware that it's awesome. That was the one card in white that we rated an A. That's the only card you guys rated an A? Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, Hour of Revelation. So we were talking about this on the the warm-up show or just before that. There seems to be a lot of board wipe or close to board wipe features in this format. And Hour of Revelation kind of... It's it's a six-mana one. Like... So, I mean, the text on it is pretty simple. Hour of Revelation costs three less, and it's three white-white to begin with. If there are ten or more non-land permanents on the battlefield, then you just destroy all non-land permanents. So that's artifacts, enchantments, all that jazz. Um, three white-white-white is a difficult casting cost, and I wouldn't worry about the discounted clause because, um, you know, probably at that point in the game, you're, you, you're, you're probably, your hand is probably empty unless you're holding back. Um, you know, the difference between three and six mana is not that big unless you have a follow-up play to it. And um, that's, that's, I think that's Neil pointed key. out. That's, that's the point here is like, if you're able to cast it and you know that you're going to get that cost reduction, maybe you can cast this and play a four or five drop in the same turn. So that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, but I mean, board wipes are, are great in limited, obviously. Um, you want to be heavy white on this one, like no playing eight planes in your hour of revelation deck. You probably want 10 to be 10. comfortable. Yeah. Um, or or some fixing like pick up uh, one of the artifacts or, or the land that 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 gives you fixing um with you know without a cost without yeah. a heavy cost be aware with the exiling like especially the pre-release when you're playing with this card to count things like auras to count things like equipments artifacts enchantments it like it's just non-land permanence it doesn't matter what it is so if they've got a gifts of paradise on a forest on the other side that counts um it's all going to get it's all going to get destroyed yeah, not just creatures. Mm-hmm. That's all that I had. I mean, you've got cards like, you know, Overwhelming Splendor, which is cool. It's a flashy mythic and Oketra's Last Mercy, but I'm not I'm not interested in really talking about those. So, you know, use your your judgment on those ones when you open those in your sealed pool. Some of them are better in slower, some of them are better in two at a giant. Um, you know, use use your common sense on those ones. Yeah. I just I thought the idea of the podcast for for this episode was like, let's get you ready for commons that you can play with the mythics mm-hmm. and rares that you've already identified are good in your pool. And exactly. just because we didn't mention something doesn't mean it's unplayable. It just means kind of here are the ones that I think are the standout cards. Um blue's got a lot of good cards in this set. I'm I'm really excited to get into blue because a lot of these commons are ones that I'm I'm excited to play with. The, the first one's the first one, Aerial Guide. Two and a blue for a 2-2 flyer. We've seen this card before, but wait. When it attacks, another target attacking creature gains flying until end of turn. It's a Drake with upside. It, it's a dra- It's literal Drake with upside. And can you think of all the things you'd love to give flying to? Gustwalker. I mean, sorry, no Gustwalkers. <laughs> um. Just the 3-1 for two that we saw earlier is fine. And we've seen three ones in a lot of the different color combinations. Pair it with green and launch a 5-5 into the air. Like there's, there's just so many, th- this is so much value wrapped up in a, a nice little package and it doesn't block particularly well. Right. But I mean, Windrake has never been particularly good at that, but like, this is kind of like an assertive plan for blue. This is a must kill when it hits the board. I think so. It's just going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 
Avon Reed Stalker is worth being aware of just because it exists in this format and you need to know that it's there. I don't think it's as good as it would have been in previous formats, um, but we, we still got to remember this card. This is three and a blue for a 2-3 Bird Warrior Flash Flying. That's an interesting card. Normally, I would expect that to be a 3-2 for, for four mana, but I guess the Flash kind of has to push the stats the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2-3 doesn't block a ton like you're probably only going to get going to get a two drop with it most of the time but if you can get your opponent's steward you know the guy that makes tokens or something like that you're pretty happy with that Mm -hmm. but four man is a lot for that effect it'll be interesting to see how how well this card plays yeah like i said i I want people to be aware that it's there it will play nicely in a deck that has other instants as well so if you've got like i mean the dream hand obviously would be like a, a counter spell a draw spell and this so if they attack with their bear and don't exert it, you can flash this in and eat it. If they do exert it, then you just, you know, counter something if it comes up and draw if it doesn't or cycle if it doesn't. So like the more instant speed things you have, cycling counts, by the way, the better this card is going to get. But I, I just want you to be aware if there's a blue deck sitting there with with four mana open, like maybe consider what if they've got this card? Do I have a, a plan? Uh, let's see. Other cards that we thought were pretty interesting. Uh, Imaginary Threats has got a lot of text on it. And I'm not sure if this is going to be amazing or just pretty good. It's two blue blue for an instant. Creatures target opponent controls attack this turn if able. During that player's next untap step, creatures he or she controls don't untap. Cycling two. Interesting. This is, this is, it'll be interesting to see where this card goes. Um, Make your opponents attack, and it's an instant, and it's not next turn, so you have to do it on their turn. So you have to hold up your four mana. I guess if you're playing blue-green, you're going to have a lot of things that can eat their creatures, like, naturally. Mm -hmm. So either you're setting this up to win the game on the next turn because your opponent has no blockers, which is fine, or you're setting it up to put them in a bad position and, like, eat one or two things and take maybe a couple of points of damage at the same time. Man, this is an interesting effect. It is. It reminds me like it's it's not too dissimilar from like Frost Breath or Sleep. And we've seen these style cards before. And the problem was they were just really bad when you were behind. But as soon as you staple cycling onto it, it's like if, if you're behind and you need more more gas, you're paying a cost to cycle it like that's not free. But the fact that I can just get rid of it if the board state doesn't need something like this, I think makes this great. Like this looks fantastic on a board stall and sealed can like, especially at your pre-releases, you can often get to a board stall relatively quickly Mm -hmm. and still Mm -hmm. break it wide open. I'm interested in playing this card. Um, Again, it's probably a card that I won't get to draft because I won't rate it highly enough. And that might be a mistake on my end, but um, I'd love to open this in a sealed pool. I think. I, I think so too. I think people will have fun with it. Um, I wanted to talk about ominous Sphinx. Have you looked at this card? Yeah, I kind of accidentally like kind of dismissed it or scrolled past it the first time I browsed through the the full spoiler. And then when I was going back and double checking it, I'm like, why is this card not on my list? It's amazing. Yeah, for, for an uncommon, this is an uncommon that we both rated a B plus. Like it's it's really close to A range. We've got three blue blue for a four four flying Sphinx. That's already pretty good. And whenever you cycle or discard a card, target creature and opponent controls gets neg two, neg zero until end of turn. Yeah, and it's so easy to bluff 
discard or cycling too like there's a lot of i mean we saw it in the last format in the last block where there's just a lot of just cycling like horror of the broken lands was pretty tough to deal with especially early in the format when people were still drafting slow kind of grindy cycling type decks um ominous sphinx just if your opponent has three cards in hand like how do you block in combat not even just blocking it because it's a 4-4 flyer but how do you block other things profitably it's pretty tough even if you don't like you can just attack your opponent with this i mean it only has to connect five times by itself and they're dead and if they're swinging back on you, just cycle on their turn and you're preventing two damage and drawing a card every time you cycle like yeah. that. That's almost enough. Even if there's like if your opponent has, you know, two, you know, a three, two, three threes, this card and a couple cyclers, you can still beat that. Yeah. While attacking like that's just mm-hmm. absurd for an uncommon. So I, I think Ominous Sphinx is like one of the reasons to be playing blue in this format. And the fact that it's an uncommon just kind of blows my mind. Mm. It's the Angler Drake of the format uh, for blue. Yeah, it is. And I think it's better than Angler Drake. Mm-hmm. And by Angler Drake, I mean a, a, a big flyer, but with, yeah. a, with an ability stapled on. But yeah, I, think I look, I look forward to really it. Good. I think this yeah. ability is really good. I want to know your thoughts about Proven Combatant because um, mm. there's been a lot of chat about this card. It's one mana for a 1-1 human warrior. It has Eternalize for four blue blue. Yeah, I look at it as, as a four blue blue four four that that's like i i don't really see the one one for blue as like a as a card on its own unless there's a lot of x ones in the format which protests there are there are a lot of x ones so if if there's a lot of x ones that are good and that are being played then this card goes up in value if you're blue it's not a reason to be blue but it might just end up being like I don't know if it'll be a sideboard card or if it'd be a main deck and you take it out if it's bad, but like the six mana um, for a four, four with kind of no ability is probably the worst eternalized cost in the set. Yeah. I, I don't like the card. A lot of people are comparing it to sacred cat, which I already didn't like. Like I, th- I think mm. sacred cat in the last format was similar to, a, I made the argument today that it's similar to rampant growth. So Rampant Growth is not a bad green card. That's For those who don't know, this is an old card that you'd see in core sets very often. It's one in a green uh, for a sorcery, search your library for a basic land card, put it into play tapped. A lot of green decks were interested in that, but a lot of them weren't. If you were just doing red-green beats and weren't particularly ramping to anything and you weren't using it for fixing, you didn't play Rampant Growth. And I I think that's where Sacred Cat ended up. Is like, if I'm an aggressive white deck, and and most of them were, to be fair... But or I've got some zombie shenanigans. Okay, we can start talking. But it wasn't an auto include for me in every white deck that I drafted. And like, I think this is actively worse than that. So I I think for me, it's going to be something that I'm going to have in the sideboard and bring in if I need some defense against the X ones, because there's there's enough of them that I might be able to trade this for an actual card. And once you can do that, it's not bad trading for a card and then getting a six mana four four that doesn't cost a card later is pretty good. I think I'm looking to start these in the sideboard and bring them in when they're good and set it the other way. Yeah. This will probably be the card that has the highest spread on, on people that love it and people that hate it. Yeah. Right. And we'll see towards the end, you know, when it, when it comes around, if if, who's actually right and who's actually wrong there. (laughs) Um, there was the big giant hexproof cycler. This one's worth being aware of, uh, six and a blue for a five, five hexproof serpent called Striped River Winder. 
and it has cycling for one. It's the river serpent of the format. <laughs> sure, it is. I, I like that it has cycling one. I really like cycling one cards. For me, if, if by the end of the format, if I had three or more one mana cycling cards, I would go to 16 lands. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty slow to decide I want to go to 16 lands. But if I had enough of, of this style effect, I would. Like, it's a little bit overcosted, but Hexproof is such a miserable mechanic for your opponent. Like, they just, they can't kill it. Yeah, you'll note that it's it doesn't have six toughness, which for at like a hexproof creature having less or less than or equal to like toughness to power um, is kind of important because that means they won't bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. Right. If you you and your opponent both have one, um, you remember the crocodile from the last one had a had a toughness that was one higher, which is just just annoying when you're in a board stall. Um, so this is not as dangerous as that, I would say. But I mean, a 5-5 five, five Hexproof is just stupid. And if you can give it flying with a cartouche or something like that, um, you know, GG to your opponent, game two. Yeah, yeah. The card's kind of bonkers. Um, I think we're getting close to the end here that I wanted to talk about with two more commons to be aware of. Um, one was Unquenchable Thirst, which is one in a blue for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature, enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. If you control a desert or have a desert in your graveyard, tap it. So it's it's similar to an, an assassinate style effect like kill a tapped creature on its own. If you have the desert, it goes up to something like Malfunction, which we saw in Kaladesh at a two mana discount. So like I'm really interested in having the deserts for this. I think it's playable on its own. It is worth being aware that because of the mechanics in this format... Um, exert being a big one, there's a few cards that will untap something for your opponent, right? So if you cast this on their stuff, you know, we can each probably think of six cards that would untap it later on. So it's not quite as good as it might be in other places. I just saw Dave do the math. You got six? I got five. I'm not sure where the other one that I'm missing. Okay. There's two combat tricks that do it. Um, there's the blue vizier from the last set. Oh, that's the one that I was that's missing. Yep. missing. Okay, good. So like there's, there's ways to untap it in addition to it being vulnerable to any sort of enchantment removal or bounce. So like, this is not like a premium removal spell, but it's what you got to work with if you're in blue. Mm-hmm. And speaking of bounce spells, we've got unsummoned back, uh, which is just blue instant return target creature to its owner's hand. Unsummon will be the blue doom blade of the format against Eternalize. <laughs> yeah, it'll do that. And it, it's worth being aware, like some people are a little hesitant to count or they feel bad when they bounce a token, right? Because they're like, well, the opponent got that token for free. They didn't spend a card on it. And now I'm using a card to get rid of the token. Once something's on the board, it doesn't really matter where it came from. It matters the board presence that this is providing. So having unsummoned to take care of eternalized cards is kind of a big deal. You can also usually maneuver a card's worth of value out of an unsummon, even though it's negative tempo, saving one of your own creatures from a kill spell. If you attack in and your opponent blocks and uses a combat trick, you can bounce their creature in response. There's just a lot of things you can do. So typically I'm going to want one, maybe two unsummons in my blue decks. Don't just bounce something to attack for three. Like no. Don't do that. Make sure you're getting some value out of this card first. Time walk your opponent, finish them off, you know, defend your creature, counter a combat trick, destroy a token. Those are the things you should be doing with unsummon. Yes. And, and, and it's you can. so easy to hold open for the, just the one blue. Yeah. That's the best part of it is just a single blue. Um, tragic lesson is probably worth um, chatting about too. 
briefly because I think people will be maybe a little too excited about this card. Um, so it's two and a blue for an instant, draw two cards, then discard a card from your hand unless you return a land you control to its owner's hand. So is this divination? I think it's divination at instant. It was divination instant or sorcery? Sorcery? Divination was sorcery. Right, yeah. Um, I think most of the time it is, or it's draw two, discard a land. Like, I I don't think you're bringing a card. I mean, you, you can make that decision, right? You can decide if if you can avoid or you, you can you can stomach the the tempo loss of bringing a land back to your hand so if it's like late game right and you have a bunch of lands on the table anyway sure draw two bounce a card no big deal if it's early game and you have a couple of lands in hand you can draw two discard a land like that's that's a fine effect too um i think where it gets you is if you're casting it on turn three and you don't want to bounce a, a land and you don't want to discard a land i think that's where it's at its worst so i think you want to kind of um probably not fired off on turn three most of the time um unless you're okay just like you know drawing two discarding one for three mana which a lot of people are you know you know people like the like the pros and lsv and people like that are are going to be going to be doing that quite frequently um maybe for your for your average player that doesn't understand um or or like like isn't really comfortable discarding cards like cards that have good value from their hand um you know as an effect of this you know maybe you want to cast that on turn four turn five so you're not making as much of a mistake potentially but i think it'll be a good card i think this will be a staple card for blue um especially when comboed with things like a card that i want to talk about like a counter spell um or cycling and things like that you like this way more than i do that's interesting I, I, which is weird so, because i'm not normally a blue player and and i like this card uh quite a bit i think i think you can get some really good value off of it okay so if if you discard a card this is catalog mm-hmm. okay so but, we've had you, you want to make sure you're discarding a land, I think, because otherwise, I think if you want to keep both those cards, you should just be bringing a card back to your hand, like a, a land back to your hand, right? Yeah. So like, okay, sure, you're discarding a land. Often you would do that with catalog too. And like, mm-hmm. I I didn't play catalog that often unless I was in the blue-red spells deck. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's where something like this starts to become interesting. Or late game where I can just cast it on my turn, bounce a land, replay the land, and then have all my mana open if I've missed a land drop. But mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not excited for catalog at instant speed. In some formats, I would be. I'd be like, okay, this is a nice slow format. I need to find my one bomb before they find their one answer. We both got plenty of time, so let's just sift through this deck as fast as I can and get to the good stuff, and then kill them with it. From my experience with Am and Ket and looking at most of these cards, I don't think we're in that nice slow format. Even in sealed, it, it will be significantly slower, but I don't think we're sifting through looking for one particular bomb. So I, I actually think this may be a bit overrated initially. And it, it's probably overrated because of the speed of the format. Um, but like in a vacuum, I love the card, I think. Um, but okay. you're right. Like it maybe just doesn't fit into this format. Um, what'll be interesting to see is um, how this plays in the uh, Eternalize style deck where you can where you can pitch an eternalized card um and get kind of be able to play it maybe next turn from the graveyard instead of playing it and then waiting for it to die and then getting it back from the graveyard so if there's yeah. any kind of like graveyard manners shenanigans in blue black or blue red for example um I, I think that'll be interesting but i mean you're right maybe maybe the format's just too fast for a card like this yeah i suppose that's the joke is that you're supposed to discard an eternalize or an embalm creature and then play it out of the graveyard so if you can make that less of a disadvantage maybe you are doing something here Hmm. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on you tragic lesson hmm. um, a card that I want to talk about I, I, I assume that your, your list is done that was the last one on your list yes 
Okay, great. One that I think that we, we passed on here, which I think is, is a very interesting card, is Supreme Will, which is the two and a blue for a modal spell. One of them is a counter target spell unless its controller plays three. Uh, and if you don't do that, you can look at the top four cards of your library, put one in your hand and the rest on the bottom. So it's almost like a cycling counter spell. Yeah, that's exactly what what how I described it. Yeah. And um, and I think, you know, we liked sensor somewhat in the previous format, uh, or I think a lot of people did. And I think this is a different kind of card, but it's very similar in the value you can get out of it. So instead of you know instead of sensor being played early and cycling it later this one's more like um you know if you need to hit a land drop you're going to be quote-unquote cycling this sooner and probably playing it as a, an actual counter spell in the mid to late game because obviously it's three three casting cost but also because of the 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 condition on it where they have to pay three instead of one is a bigger cost to pay so you it's easier for you to snipe something like you know a bolus planeswalker or or a five casting cost thing like your opponents aren't necessarily you know playing playing their five casting cost creatures on eight mana and holding up three to play around supreme will you know Whereas they were maybe playing around sensor in game two and game three, if they saw it in game one before by holding up that one extra mana, like instead of running out my four drop on turn four, I'll run up my three drop on turn four instead to maybe try to play around it. Um, it's a lot, a lot more difficult, I think, relatively speaking, to play around Supreme Will in that in that case. And then if, even if it's just dead, you just, you know, you just cycle it for a card anyway. So um, I'm interested to see where this fits in the format um, and obviously plays well with Tragic Lesson because you can just fire off Tragic Lesson instead for for two cards instead of Supreme Will for one. So I, I had an interesting discussion with Neil about this card as well, and he said that the way you play around it is if you suspect that your opponent has it, and you've got good reason to suspect it, right? Not your spider sense is tingling. You saw it in game one, it's game two. They've been kind of suspiciously holding up three mana. Is just play something that's not really worth countering or you don't care if they counter. Mm -hmm. So that like they'll be like, okay, sure, you can have a grizzly bear. End of turn, most players will be like, cool, I'll just fire this off, look at the top four cards and pick one. And then you untap and play your glory bringer and they're like, and they're like, oh man, I can't believe you top decked that. And if you want to tilt them off perfectly, you say, yeah, me neither, man. Yeah, and exactly. Just, just let it go. So like you play around it if you know that they have it by just not casting something and tempting them to fire it off for the other mode. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's certainly an interesting card. Yeah, I like that. Play your second best. And that's something that I do in general when I suspect the counter spells is I'll try to bait them out with my second best or third best card. And if they don't end up playing it, then I'm usually ahead on board anyway. And I can just kind of suck it up later on if they counter my big thing. So don't underestimate the cost of making your opponent hold up mana for multiple turns as well, which is why yeah. somebody would, would probably fire off Supreme Will for the card because they don't want to hold it up the next turn either. Right. Correct. I like that. That's a good way to look at it. That's uh, that's pro tips from a pro player. Um, and the other one that I wanted to mention was the sinuous striker, which I think is going to be a very interesting eternalized card. So it's two and a blue for a two, two, uh, it has, uh, the activated ability of a single blue to give it plus one minus one until end of turn. So it can attack or block as a three, one for the low, low cost of a blue. And then it has eternalized three blue, blue and discard a card. I think the discard a card puts it not over the top with whatever the opposite of over the top is for me, where I'm not under that excited bottom. to play it under the bottom. Um, but I think coming back as a four, four with this ability is can be potentially really powerful, especially late game. So I'd be interesting to see where this fits in. I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, picking early, I'll be picking it, but I don't know if it'll, it'll maintain that level of pickability as the format goes on. 
I've played so many water coursers and corsets and the card was so good and so insane. And like, I I don't know if like, I shouldn't be mad at sinuous striker for not being a two, three, Mm -hmm. because if it's a two, three, I'm just going to first pick it every time I see it. Cause water courser was good. And I, I like, I'm, I think missing that point of toughness changes the card significantly. Yeah, I agree. And again, the eternalized, like if it was just three blue, blue and not discarding a card, um, I think I'm way more excited to play this than, than I am right now, but it'll be interesting. I think, I think this is borderline good. Oh, I think it's good. I think it's good. And I, I don't think that the, the discard a card is particularly relevant. Like at the point where you've got five lands in play, you can discard a land and that's not a huge cost. Like what's in your deck that costs that much more? I guess striped river winders. But other than that, like, you know, just dump a land when you've got enough lands and, and bring it back at that point or, or chunk something you don't mind being in your graveyard. I'm just mad at it for not having that extra point of toughness. The card's still good, though. It is true indeed. Um, I'm going to skip my rares on this one and talk about the Eternal of Harsh Truths as I think my last blue card here. Um, it's two and a blue for a one three with afflict two. So afflict is if it attacks... Uh, sorry, if it gets blocked, uh, the defending player loses two life. So it either nugs you for one because it's a one three or it nugs you for two. And the upside is if it nugs you for one, uh, you get to draw a card or sorry, if it hits your opponent for one, you get to draw a card. So when it's attacked and not blocked, draw a card. Yeah. And like you've got aerial guide at common. If you just want to force it through, you can give it flying and mm-hmm. it gives your opponent an uncomfortable choice. Like it's not trivial, like block it and take damage or don't block it and give take damage and give them a card so i I think this is very powerful effect at uncommon um and something like this can turn bounce spells into even more because if you're bouncing their creature that they were planning to block with and then getting in the fact that you gave up a card to do that kind of is like you cycled it Mm -hmm. exactly you cycled your unsummon to draw land but no i mean it's it's great the other interesting thing which uh, about the afflict cards is they're kind of ways to to push a game over the top to finish a game so picture picture yourself on on three life okay and your opponent has an eternal of harsh truce on the table they attack with it and you have good blocks for it do you i mean you have to block it and go to one but like if and because if you don't block it then you're just dead the next turn to the afflict right so you have you almost have no choice in that regard because if you if you don't block and give them a card to to stabilize it too let's say you can't even really stabilize it too against the afflict so there's there's a point of the game where the afflict creatures are going to get shut down because they don't have good attacks anymore until the point where they're lethal in which case all of them become great and you can just hey i attack for three things that have afflict two you know you take at least six you're dead yeah. and um and, and so it'll be interesting to kind of watch your life total we always say that like one is not zero and maybe in this format it'll be something more like three is not zero or five is not zero depending on how many (laughs) afflict creatures you have or your opponent has right so don't underestimate the ability to kind of reach through in a board stall and finish out a game uh with with your afflict creatures so it's interesting that blue gets that effect yeah yeah um i said i wasn't going to talk about rares but how awesome is kefnet's last word it's really cool to get mind control back and the fact so we should probably read the card what does kefnet's last word do dave uh you exert yourself to gain control of target artifact creature or enchantment so and then lands you control don't untap so that's what the exert yourself kind of mechanic is it's not a keyword um but yeah four mana for mind control and two blue blue and time walk yourself kind of time walk yourself Mm kind of kind of 
Um, also, the fact that it's not an enchantment means that like enchantment removal won't knock this off. Now, your opponent can still bounce it or deal with the creature on, on its own, but the card looks fantastic. Mind control's always been good and limited. Um, this is control magic. This is not mind control. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is old school. Four mana steal your thing. Yeah, you don't get to use your mana next turn, but who cares? You just took their biggest creature. You're fine. Yeah, it's going to be great. You probably... No, I mean, it doesn't even matter because it's just lands you control don't untap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say you want to take an untap thing so you can block with it and not die, but that doesn't even matter. Yeah. So, all right. So we've got an early runner for best black uncommon. Oh my God, this card looks amazing. We're talking about the Bane Whip Punisher? Yep, it, she's my whip. Yeah. It's, so it's look, a she, right? It, it's a she. So let's walk through what what this card says and then what it is. So what it says is two and a black for a 2-2 two, two human warrior. When it enters the battlefield, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. And then it has an activated ability. Black, not tap, just black. Sacrifice, Bane Whip, Punisher, destroy target creature that has a negative one, negative one counter on it. So you can use this to come in and maybe snipe an X1. And then if your opponent has a creature with a negative one, negative one counter on it from somewhere else, kill that too. Or you can just cast this all in one turn as two black, black, destroy target creature. So like this is a removal spell that can attack and block. It's it's a basically a planeswalker. <laughs> sure. Under the right circumstances, it almost uh, could be. Under the right circumstances, it's a planeswalker. Yeah, no. Um one for wanting anything on your opponent's side, gods excluded, and then two for wanting sometimes, uh, is gonna be great. Yeah, so th- this card is just fantastic. Just recognize as you're looking at this that this isn't really a creature, this is a removal spell uh that that has upside from around there. Um, I, I actually quite liked Doomfall. Um, it, it, it's kind of stapling two effects together that are both very situational, but they're good in such different situations that getting them both on one card is really neat. So Doomfall is two and a black for a sorcery. Choose one. Target opponent exiles a creature he or she controls, or target opponent reveals her, his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it. Exile that card. So like, I don't always play Edicts, even though at a three mana, they're pretty good. And I don't always play Discard because it's such a terrible top deck late in the game, especially these style effects that are basically some reprint of coercion. But having the flexibility on one card to choose which of those you want to do is just, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think the only time this card is terrible is late game where your opponent is wide already. So like deep in a board stall and they have no cards in hand. That's the only time that I think it's not not even close to being worth the three mana. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to mention a specific card, but I will mention that in the previous set, black had a little bit of trouble with two drops and we don't have that anymore. Uh, There's two functional common two drops that can attack and block. And there's an additional common two drop with death touch. So like in the previous set, it was kind of like, well, we got these doomed dissenters, which I mean, they kind of chump block and turn into a zombie, or maybe we can put some counters on them, but they, they weren't really great. And then, you know, we had the miasmic mummy and it's like, but that kind of hurts me too. We've got solid two drops in black. So if you're looking to do something aggressive with black, you'll likely be able to do that now. Um, Lethal sting is worth going a little bit into conversation about. Uh, This is two and a black for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast it, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. You control destroy target creature. Wow. That is that this is this is an amazing design for a card i think in this format so we don't often get destroy target creature 
period. We don't often get destroy target creature, period, at common. Um, and at the low, low cost of having to have something to put a minus one, minus one counter on. It, this is this is a very good card, I think. And it's very rarely going to be dead, you know, in your hand. You're you're probably going to have creatures on board. And if you don't, you're probably dead anyway. So yeah. this card might not get you out of it. Um, it is a reason to play cards like, you know, dune beetles and things like that just like it is in any of the other kind of minus one minus one counter decks from the previous format um what's the upper limit of these in your deck like three four eight twelve i don't know as long as you have creatures that put minus one minus one counters on i'm sold yeah i was still on board with you at four once you said eight i'm like ah that's a bit too many but yeah i think i'm very happy with this card i think we need to be aware that it exists be aware that because putting the counter on is part of the casting cost, if someone uses a counter spell on this spell, you still have a creature with a minus one, minus one counter on it. Not a big deal, but something to be aware of. Yeah, and your opponent can't remove the creature that you're putting the minus one, minus one counter on it to counter the spell because you're paying it as the cost. So that doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. So as long as you have a creature on board and your opponent does not have a counter spell, something will die. Yes, as long as you have priority, you can you can make this work. Um, let's see. Neil liked the scrounger of souls quite a bit, which is four and a black for a three, four lifelink horror. So no, no useful subtypes or creature types, just a three, four lifelink for five. I think that life gain is going to be fairly important. Um, you know, the incidental life gain we saw in white, we didn't see any in blue, but I think having the lifelink in black is potentially important um and the fact that it's a three four instead of a three three i think is also um you know pretty good i don't know if it's like high up but it might be like close to soul stinger type pickability um you know maybe maybe somewhere where you pick a soul stinger you might pick a scrounger of souls and you probably don't want too many in your five drop spot yeah um but i'm i'm interested in a three four lifelink in some capacity i think I, I don't think this was the case with him, but I know a lot of people will look at this and remember how good the lifelink was with Cartouche of Ambition and mm -hmm. kind of equate it there. But be aware that when you cast the Cartouche, you were kind of giving that lifelink haste because you had to put it on a creature that you already had in play. So you're not quite getting that benefit here, but I, I do think the stat balance is quite good. It, it does suffer from the five drop tax and that I don't want, you know, you know, eight of them or whatever. But if I have one or maybe even two of these in my black deck, I think I'm all right with that. Mm -hmm. I agree. We got to talk about Torment of Venom. Uh, this is a common card. Two black, black, instant. Let, let, let me repeat that. Instant speed. Put three neg one, neg one counters on target creature. Its controller loses three life unless he or she sacrifices another non-land permanent or discards a card. The keyword here is another so they can't sacrifice the thing that got the three minus one minus one counters. Oh, who cares about that? Well, no, because if they could sacrifice that thing, right, then yeah. then you're not you're not getting them. You're just killing one thing for four or for two black black. It's like Grizzly Spectacle, right? From or is that six mana? No, that, that was the same cost from Gate right? Crash. So which which is which is a great card. Don't get me wrong. But this is the fact that you can get like you're, you're probably nugging your opponent for three with this. Yeah, period. So it's kill something. And your your opponent loses three life. 
yeah very good card you, so they're not they're, they can't get around it by sacrificing the thing that you you know killed in combat or something like that yeah you're not wrong i just meant that i don't care about those other clauses so much as instant oh. speed three counters I, yeah. i'm already sold there the fact that we get you know useful flavor text after that I'm, I'm pretty happy about you may have to use it as a combat trick to bring down something particularly big but at instant speed you can do that and you've got the opportunity to blow out your opponent going for you know any sort of uh, combat trick on their creature, any sort of uh, enchantment aura or or anything like that. Like this, this card just looks great to me. That instant uh, speed I value so highly. I concur. Um, most of the time, your opponent's going to choose to lose three life. Yeah. When are the times that you would not choose to lose three life? Like, are you okay discarding a land mid to late game instead of losing three life? I think one of the most common ones will be sacrificing another non-land permanent when I have a creature that's under some sort of enchantment based removal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So like I'm relatively happy to get rid of that anyway. Um, And then discarding a land late game is probably the same thing. Like if I've got six lands in play and the deck doesn't have any seven drops and I've been holding a land for some reason, sure. Chunk it. Like why, why bother with it? But generally speaking, they're probably going to take the three damage, which I mean is not nothing. Yeah. Okay. Those were kind of the highlights for me from Black. Um, I'm sure you have a couple, and then we can talk about any rares that that you liked. Yeah. Um, the not that one. I'm just trying to find it here. Where is it here? Merciless Eternal. Here's another afflict creature. Two and a black for a two-two zombie cleric with afflict two. Uh, and it has the fun activated ability of two and a black discard a card. Merciless Eternal gets plus two plus two until end of turn. Now combo this with something that has some kind of discard synergy, like say, oh, I don't know that Angler Drake, not Angler Drake, but the new Drake in this format, um, or anything else that gets a value off of discarding card. You know, all of a sudden you have a very difficult to block two two. Even if you block it, you take two damage. And if you gamble and block it and your opponent's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to discard this card anyway. You know, now it's a four, four, you know, you, you better have double blocked it or have some kind of combat trick in your hand and you're still taking two. I think this would be a very interesting card. It seems very aggressive to me. It does. Um, I don't like that. It's not particularly a good blocker for three mana. And I also don't like that. It's that weird situation. Like, let's say that, that I have a three, three and you have this card, you attack and I snap block. What do you do now? Like I've put yeah. you in a really awkward spot. So like, be careful when you attack with this, especially if your opponent has mana open. Like if you go to activate this, you discard the card, then the ability goes on the stack. If I kill it in response to that, I've sort of gotten like a, I've gotten a two for one at the very least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, maybe even more with the cost of tempo. So like, the card is certainly very powerful and that threat of activation means that it's, it's sort of like almost a phantom warrior to an extent, right? Like it's almost a two power creature that they can't block. But if your opponent ever does block this, think long and hard before you discard that card and just jump in for it. They're probably not stupid. Yeah. If there is a card that I will be uh, calling the bluff on frequently, it'll be this one. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, and the three mana cost to, to activate it is actually quite heavy as well. So if I'm like, yeah, OK, sure, like I'll block with it. And if you time walk yourself to kill my creature, I take two damage and that's fine. You know, I'll play a, a four or five or something next turn. And now you can't really attack to, through it anymore. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of on my radar, though, because the afflict again, afflict to. Yeah, I think, I think is, afflict is, is a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, one that I'm interested in is Torment of Scarabs. Sure. So we had Trespassers Curse, which was kind of meh. This one is like, 
I'm close to being interested. This is on my radar as, as a card that might be a sleeper pick. Uh, it's three and a black for an aura curse. Enchant player. Uh, at the beginning of enchanted player's upkeep, they lose three life or they sacrifice a non-land permanent or they discard a card. So early game, your opponent's, you know, probably losing three life. They're probably dip pitching lands. Mid to late game, you know, again, they're sacrificing creatures that are under enchantments. But at some point, maybe two or three turns into the future, they're going to have to start making actual decisions. So these types of punishment cards, generally speaking, are bad because your opponent always picks the best one for them, which is the worst one for you just, you know, by the transitive property. However, you you pile this on three or four times and it becomes a problem. I think we finally came down. Um, it, now it's interesting that it's next to Torment of Hell, Hellfire in the spoiler. And we decided that Torment of Hellfire was bad because you have to do all of this at once. For reference, that's X black black. Repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless they sacrifice a non-land permanent or discard a card. So a lot of people would look at that and think finisher. I look at it and think, ah, it's kind of garbage. The reason why is your your opponent is you've got to wait until you've got so much mana to cast this that like a, a a two two for three would have probably done more impact over the course of the game if you cast it on turn three than this would. Whereas Torment of Scarabs is kind of at a great spot because you can cast it and then just kind of let it sit there and do its thing over time. And I think we identified the best deck for this card is a mid range deck that slants aggressive. So like Mm -hmm. a a true aggro deck would rather just have another creature or combat trick in it. And a control deck would probably rather have something that just does one thing well, right? Like either kill a creature or a great blocker or a great attacker, just any of that. But the flexibility on this card that it's giving your opponent is kind of best for a deck that can get in, you know, something like 10 points of damage and then slam this and say, okay, let's, let's, let's play a little longer. What you got? Mm -hmm. So I, I like this card quite a bit too. Um, we ended up writing it a, a C just because I think you've really got to play with this card uh, to determine what it's going to do. But I think in the right spot, this is a very powerful effect. Yeah. And you might even just get your, you like catch your opponent with their pants down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you might just catch them with, you know, a, a board that doesn't exist and they have really bad decisions. Like they have to lose three life and go to seven or four or something like that, or discard a card that's very valuable in their hand or something like that. I think that'll be rare, but the fact that you can do it multiple times I think if you get, you know, six life and, you know, maybe like a creature and a, and a card off of this, I think you're getting really good value off of it at that point. And then obviously it'll just keep ticking up from there. Yeah, you, you need to be either. If you're ever ahead, this will win you the game. If you're at parity, this will begin to win you the game. The only problem is when you're behind. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's all I had for black. You mentioned Torment of Hailfire. Um, I look forward to casting this in two-headed giant. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) Because you just double your X. Um, but you guys don't think it's good, hey? No, it's not. What value of X do you have to cast it at for it to be good? Like, well, seven mana, like five? So let's say we do it for five, right? So Mm -hmm. what's my life total? If, if we're, if you're casting this for five, you're casting it for seven mana. Mm -hmm. My life total is probably 10. What does the board look like? It, I mean, it depends. You probably have at least three creatures. Yeah. So like I, you kill my worst creature. I take six points of damage. So I go to four, which is fine. So like, what's the situation here? Am I killing you with a flyer? This doesn't, this doesn't actually deal with that. Are are you killing me on the ground? Mm -hmm. 
well, it doesn't matter that you're casting this. So like, it, it doesn't really change many board states. It slams the door shut on a game that you're winning. Right. And we've got an uncommon next to it that can kind of do that. So like, that's really all this does. If I'm way ahead, it just slams the door shut. And I don't really need cards like that in, in my limited decks. Yeah. I guess the only, the only time that it catches you up, if you cast it for enough mana that your opponent cannot discard the cards and lose the life, you know, and keep their board. But I think that's pretty rare. Like you're talking about, you know, 10 total casting cost for it or yeah. nine total casting costs, which I think is not very realistic. Yeah, we didn't say it's unplayable. I think we, yeah, we ended up writing it D minus. So like mm. maybe there's a deck where you're like, I just, I, I don't have enough playables or I need something, or I believe that the game's going to go long enough that I could cast this for, you know, seven or eight mana. And then all of a sudden it's going to do something. But I, I think it's just going to cost too much in your average games for, for you to be actually happy with it. It's a really cool card. Yeah. Um, other one that I wanted to mention is Hour of Glory. Here's your solid rare removal spell in black. Oh, heck uh, yeah, that's great. Three, three and a black for exile target creature. And then if it so happened to be a god, you can take all the other gods from their hand, um, which is just doesn't matter in limited. Yeah. But um, if, if it does matter in limited, please take a <laughs> screenshot of it and send it to us. I'd love to see you nail your opponent for two cards with this. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be a, a very high pick, obviously. So. It is kind of sad that the exile removal is moving from common to rare with this set. So we're going to see less final rewards, which means things that are indestructible, um, gods, etc., are going to get a little better, which uh, they probably meant to do for the limited environment. So just kind of be aware of that. Mm-hmm. They're a little harder to deal with. All right, we are at hour one, so we are still on pace for that hour and a half-ish of Hour of Devastation. All right, let's get let's continue devastating with red. Uh, and the the first card in the spoiler looks like one of the uh, kind of standout cards here as a braid. One and a red for an instant. Choose one. Deal three damage to target creature or destroy target artifact. Yeah, the second part of that modal probably won't mean too much um, until it the, does. Like think it, about yeah. some of the artifacts that drove you nuts: Edifice of Authority, Oracle's Vault. Gone. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in the lightning strike. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. And you can't miscast it and target your opponent with it. So that's great. <laughs> um, so I, I think this is like, look, be on the lookout for these when you're playing red and sealed. Now be aware there's eternalized creatures coming around that have four toughness. This is not the same level of removal spell for sealed. that something like final reward was, um, you're still going to want this, take it early, take it often, play it if you're drafting, but like for your sealed pool, this isn't a terminate. This is just a, a pretty darn efficient removal spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an uncommon burning fist minotaur one in red for a two, one first strike. You can spend one in red, discard a card. It gets plus two plus O oh until end of turn. Yeah, I, I, I really like this card. So this is similar to the, uh, the one in black that I was interested in as well. Um, except it has first strike instead of afflict. And I think that works out better for it. It also costs one less. So like we're paying for an upgraded goblin piker instead of an upgraded scathe zombie. This card's hard to block. Again, be aware when you attack in with it and your opponent blocks with two grizzly bears, they've probably got a better plan than you activating this and killing both of them. So mm-hmm. like in a situation like that, maybe just be like, all right, order the the, the best one of their creatures first and be like pass priority. Because you're you're probably about to get two for one if they ever set a situation up like that. Yep. Yeah. This this is going to be the bread and butter of a of a red kind of aggressive deck. I think. Agreed. Agreed. 
an uncommon that I was quite excited to see was Fervent Paincaster. This is two and a red for a 3-1. You may tap it to deal one damage to target player. You may exert it and tap it to deal one damage to target creature. Yeah, just having the ability to make combat miserable for your opponent. That one X, don't knock that one extra damage to like, you know, to uh, you, you attack your 3-3 three, three, and obviously they can't block with a 4-4 four, four, or they can trade their 4-4 four, four for a 3-3. Three, three. Like, is that something that they want to do? They, it makes them make tough decisions on blocks. And then if they don't, you just ping them for one. Yeah. I mean, it, it reminds me, I mentioned this in the, the review too of, uh, was it Nettle Drone in Battle for Zendikar? Yeah. Like that card was just kind of fine. Even if you couldn't activate the untap ability, it couldn't ping creatures. It pinged your opponent, but it was like, get in for three when you can. And then once the, the ground is clogged up or whatever, you can pick off something every once in a while with this, make combat miserable for your opponent. And if you aren't able to do any of that, just ping them for one card looks good to me. Yeah. Um, there's a number of viable two drops in red. Again, I, I'm not going to go into any specific one, um, but there's a, a lot of viable two drops in red. There's also a decent number of um, menace creatures, which plays into mentioning that we've got a Kindled Fury reprint. Uh, this is one for an instant target creature gets plus one plus zero oh, and gains first strike until end of turn. The combat tricks in this set, we didn't mention the black one. It's not very good, but it's a two mana trick. There's also a green two mana trick. So like in Ammon Ket, all of the combat tricks were one mana except for the red one, Brute Strength. That has been reversed here. All of the combat tricks are two mana except for this one, Kindled Fury. And I found that first strike really plays well with Menace Creatures. If your opponent double blocks your Menace Creatures and you're able to first strike one of them down, maybe you can take both of them, but you can usually work it out where you get to keep your creature and just trade this for one of their cards. So I'm not saying Kindled Fury is like fantastic and you should be looking for it. Just saying you should be aware that this plays nicely with Menace and we've got a couple of, of common Menace Creatures that we're happy to play. Um... Neil quite liked Inferno Jet, and I didn't get why at first until I really thought about it. It's five and a red for a sorcery, deal six damage to target opponent, cycling for two. Yeah, sorcery speed. I'm I'm I don't understand why. Okay. Explain to me why. Because when Lava Axe is good, it's the best card in your deck. If your opponent's at five, boom, they're dead. This is a lava axe with cycling. Mm-hmm. So if you can get your if you have this in your hand, you're like okay, my opponent's at 14 and they don't even know it. And if things are going bad for you and you need to cash it in for another card, cash it in for another card. It's not a big deal. So if your deck is doing what Red wants to do, which is trying to very aggressively reduce their life total, then you would probably put a Lava Axe in that deck. And if your deck is not doing what Red wants to do, so maybe we're talking about your pre-release or your sealed, you know, maybe consider there that this isn't exactly what you want. Uh, But I, I expect this card to see a good bit of play. It's interesting because I don't know if this fits in an aggressive deck because you're going to want to keep your curve low because of this and the six casting cost might not play very well with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you don't play it in your 15 land aggressive deck, red, white. Um, maybe maybe it goes in like a blue, red spells type deck, which there seems to be kind of that similar archetype in the, in this format. Well, like, um, I don't know. Look, it's interesting. It's interesting. The cycling certainly does put it over the top compared to Lava Axe. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm I'm not I'm not 100 sold on it. But I am also not a pro. So, well, I, I I just think like if I'm playing a red white aggressive deck and I could guarantee that this was the 15th card from the top when we sat down and started to play, this, I'm always putting this in my deck mm-hmm. if I can just stick it right in that spot because I can probably get you down to six by then if my deck is being aggressive and then this is a great top deck. And then when I remove the cost of this being awful in my opening hand by giving it cycling, the card just goes up in value. 
So just, yeah. just, just something to be aware of. Something to be That's aware true. of. That's a true story. All right. Um, let's see. Open fire. We would be remiss if we didn't mention this. Um, this is two and a red for an instant. Three damage to target creature or player. I mean, three mana. It's no lightning strike, uh, but it is still very good, obviously. Yeah, and the the fact that this looks overcosted to people who have been playing for a long time doesn't mean that the card's bad. What it does mean is that you're not getting a mana advantage on what you kill. Mm-hmm. So like lightning strike and lightning bolt, for those of us who are really old, were cool because you could kill your opponent's thing and then play something on your turn as well, right? Whereas open fire is so expensive that it's probably going to take most of your turn to kill something. But if you need something dead, it gets the job done. Yeah. Yep. I like and we and we didn't mind Trial of Zeal even when we didn't have a way to about a way to bounce it in the last set. Yeah, um, and this so is that at instant. At instant speed. So Yeah, got even better. Um puncturing blow, I think, is another one to be on top of. This is two red red for a sorcery, deals five damage to target creature. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. Yeah. I was casting Electrify at, at sorcery speed quite a bit in the last format. Um mm-hmm. so I think puncturing blow is obviously just better then then electrify for me in those scenarios um your mileage will vary obviously it's if you if you want to be holding up an instant you can't um i still think this is a very good card though it it might be for me one of the top commons in, yeah. in red i think so i think so i think it's very good it does have that exile clause which we lost from common at black so we've got access to it here it is worth noting that it's double red so be aware in your mana base like this is not something that you're often going to want to cast on curve anyway. So it's fine to play it in an eight mountain deck, but it's not really something you can splash. Mm -hmm. And then I also thought uh, lastly that I would mention the sand strangler. This is one of the desert matters cards. And the, the difference between whether you have a desert or not is so huge on this card that I would really want to make sure you have some deserts in your sealed pool before you start considering putting this in. So sand strangler is three mana, and a red for a three, three. So we call those a hill giant around here. If you don't have a desert, that's all it is. And that's actually not really good by modern standards of magic. We would expect at least a three, four for that casting cost. Uh, if it's vanilla. However, if you have a desert on the battlefield or one in your graveyard, and I'll do a little spoiler. The reason they're saying one in your graveyard is because some of the deserts have cycling and some of them have sacrifice abilities. So it's kind of like no matter, as long as you've drawn a desert by this point, you can get this going. If you have that, it deals three damage to target creature when it enters the battlefield. Man, the floor on this is so low, but the ceiling is very high. How many deserts do you think you need before these this becomes like a really good four drop in your deck? Four? Five? Three? Um, you need I think you need three to be able to reliably trigger it. If you want to trigger it by turn four, you probably need at least four. Mm-hmm. Um, I would almost look at it as a splash right? Sure. So like three sources means I can probably cast this, but I may not cast it on curve. Now, if if it's right for me to get a three, three and play on curve, then who cares? I don't need the three damage. Mm -hmm. So it's got that flexibility, but I think you want at least three deserts to, to pull this off. If you've got a sealed pool, that's a little light on red and has two deserts and you're like, ah, I kind of need a 22nd and 23rd card, throw this in there. It's going to be fine. Like Mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world. Just be aware it, you're not really utilizing the card because um, a hill giant is just not good enough. But if you can get that that free lightning, that free open fire off of it, then you, you've you've built yourself a two for one. And Agreed. it doesn't seem like that big a cost to do. 
No, so most of the deserts look okay aside from entering the battlefield tapped or paying life to cat tat for greens or for color i mean so yeah yeah okay so th- those were my red thoughts did you have any that i missed or any rares that you wanted to talk about uh no i actually rares yeah um we've got a red board wipe how sure do chaos maw <laughs> five red red for a six six hellion that deals three damage to each other creature so not quite a board wipe effectively in some scenarios it will be mostly a board wipe yeah um seven mana is okay and sealed it we do not know yet if this is okay in draft mm-hmm. my inclination tells me that the format has not it has slowed down a little in draft not as much as i would probably like um, but you can cast seven mana spells in sealed if you're ramping to them or if, if you have a plan um, that goes a little bit late game now it doesn't have cycling. So like if you have this in your opener, that is a real cost. You've kind of mulliganed until you, so you kind of almost need the board wipe attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the card. I'm not going nuts over this one. And now the board wipe that you probably thought I was talking about. Yes. But wait, there's more uh, hour of devastation, three red, red, all creatures lose indestructible deal five damage to everything except your bolus planeswalker. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning too. We didn't cover the card specifically in black, um, but there is a board wipe in black for oh, one yeah, black black. Yeah, lands on untap, destroy everything. So we've got three legitimate board wipes plus a seven mana, three damage to everything board wipe. Um, that doesn't mean that you pretend your opponent always has one. It just means you need to be aware that there's like three legitimate board wipes in this format. Yep. This one is a, a little interesting one to build your deck around because if you have the opportunity to get something with six toughness, um, then your creature actually survives through it. And then can attack. And then can attack immediately afterwards. So oh. like at, at, if you end up with an hour of devastation, be on the lookout for cards that are okay and happen to have six toughness. I'm not saying overload yourself with them. I'm just saying if you have the opportunity, they they kind of are best friends. Mm-hmm. That's all I got in red. Okay. Well, let's move it along to green. I'm actually going to point out, um, I'm going to start with what I think is a very important card for sealed, uh, which is beneath the sands. Mm. This is two and a green sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. And it has cycling for two. So this is rampant growth for three mana with cycling. The reason I think this is important for sealed is because the gifts of paradise deck was a legitimate real deck where you just play most of your bombs. Now this is taking away that double color fixing that we got from gifts of paradise, but it does mean we have a common mana ramp slash fixer available in green. We're Mm -hmm. losing the three life from gifts for the flexibility to cycle it later. So I I think what this means is the green based deck that's just playing all the bombs you opened is probably still going to be viable at your pre-release if you open enough of these in conjunction with Gifts of Paradise. For me, it was if I saw two Gifts of Paradise and Involving Wilds, I'm in. And I think it's the same thing here. If I see any combination of three of the cards of this, Gifts of Paradise and Evolving Wilds, let's do it. Yeah, I like it. Um, it might be difficult to find a draft deck that wants this. But again, if you're splashing then in green base, this is a, this is a decent way to splash for that. Mm-hmm. I would probably still rather an evolving wilds in that case. Um, but yeah, maybe not actually, maybe the cycling puts this over the top plus the ramp. So like a green blue style deck um, or something with big green fatties at the end. This is, this is a pretty good, um, you know, 
it's it's a safe ramp spell as opposed to like a mana dork that can get uh magma sprayed or something like that so uh your mileage may vary this is a not this is a card that doesn't go in every single green deck that you draft obviously absolutely absolutely but i, I think for sealed it's it's worth knowing that there's a common you know get anything you want so like when i look at sealed pools for am and cat the first thing i go to do is is look and see how many gifts of paradise i have i'm mm-hmm. still going to do that i'm just going to be looking for this in gifts of paradise so i can decide if i've got that deck um I, competitor for best green common at the very least is ambuscade two and a green for an instant target creature you control gets plus one plus oh until end of turn it deals damage equal to its power to target creature and opponent controls oh man we got a better rabid bite for one extra mana yeah it's instant speed man oh man there's gonna be so many blowouts with this card there's not gonna be as many as the version that had plus one plus one that we saw in shadows I can't remember what that was. It was something like sure shot or quick shot yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was almost always a two for one. This is far more likely to be a one for one because we're not getting that toughness boost boost as well, but like instant speed, good removal in green. Uh, you need to have dudes, but spoiler alert, it's limited. You're going to have dudes. I, I think this is a very powerful card and a high pick and kind of makes up for us losing the green cartouche. Yeah. I love the fact that it doesn't fight. That's the best part about it. Oh, yeah. It just it just snipes it. To actually get your two for one, you need to set up a scenario where you've got like a 3-4 bouncing off of your opponent's 3-4, and then they also have a 4-4 in play. So like, then you get the bonus, you win the combat, and you kill the other thing. Mm-hmm. Or even just your opponent goes to put a combat trick on something. Yeah, and it, right. it, there you go. You just kill yeah. it in response, and you're good which, to go. Which is difficult normally for green to do at instant mm-hmm. speed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can do that now. Um, let's see. I, I think it's worth mentioning that the frilled sandwalla is not so good. This is one green for a one-one. You can spend one in a green and give it plus two, plus two until end of turn. Like this, this ability that it has is quite good. The body that it comes stapled to is actually quite bad. Um, your opponent can just take one and then at a certain point, they'll just block it with a three, two, and you're kind of forced to invest that mana and not do anything else for the turn all for the upside of maybe you got to get in for two points of damage. So I think a lot of people will see this and think back to the root wallet cards of old, which were good in their respective formats. One of them was a scathe zombie that had this ability and you put it on a two, two, all of a sudden we're talking about something interesting, put it on a one, one, the threat of activation isn't really there. They'll just take one point of damage and not care. Yeah, I wish you could activate it more than once per turn. Yeah, if you could continually pump it, maybe we've got a real card. Our green combat trick is Gift of Strength. One and a green for an instant target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains reach until end of turn. Hey, I like it. It's grizzly strength with giant bear arms instead of just being grizzly strength. There you go. I'm not sure that the reach is super relevant. I kind of would have preferred aim high. Like mm-hmm. untap it and and give it plus two plus two, but like it's a giant growth effect. It's going to win you a lot of combats. Occasionally, you can force through the last few points of damage on an unblocked creature, and you can save your creature from damage based removal. It costing two instead of one is kind of a big deal. Like it's 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 not trivial to leave up two mana, whereas one mana is almost kind of a free thing to do. Um, but this is your green combat trick, so be aware that there is a plus three plus three in the format now. Whereas pretty much everything else was plus two, plus two, or, you know, minus two, minus two that you were worried about. I said grizzly strength and I meant giant growth. Where did grizzly strength come from? If that's not a card yet, then it's probably one they should be making. I'm going to laugh if it was plus three, plus three. I got to look it up right now. 
Magic the Gathering. It should certainly be plus two, plus two, because it's like a callback to Grizzly Bears, right? Uh, um, no, I don't think it was an actual spell. So I just invented one. Mark Rosewater, if you're listening. Yeah, there you go. We did that one for free. Patent pending. Um, Harrier Naga is a card I liked quite a lot. Two and a green for a three, three with flavor text. It, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of two threes that there's, just, just kind of rolls right over on turn four or turn three or whatever. Right. So yeah, it'll be bread and butter. Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's the hooded brawler that we remember so fondly from the last set. Um, it's, it's certainly not that, but this is, that doesn't make this a bad card. Um, we had talked some about, where's the card, the mana card. There we go. Oasis Ritualist, three and a green for a two, four. You may tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. You may tap it and exert it to add two mana of any one color to your mana pool. This in sealed goes right into that Gifts of Paradise deck which again makes me think we're going to be building green based, you know, three, four color decks quite often. This one does give you that double mana to splash with. So you can easily play, you know, a green, white, blue deck that splashes for glory bringer, for example, have done that before. We'll probably do it again based off of this card. Interesting. Interesting. At first glance, I didn't, I didn't really like the card probably because I was thinking going from, you know, four to five or five or four to six is not nearly as important as going from, you know, for example, two to four. Um, but yeah, no, when, when you, when you kind of put it that way and, and again, focusing on that multicolor three, four color, potentially green deck, um, this definitely fits right in. So again, doesn't go in all of your green decks. I don't think, I Correct. think I would much rather have the, um, hope tender, which is more of a fixer slash ramper. Um, and and because you can cast it early, I, I think it's a little more important for um, maybe your two color deck in draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, interesting. We have a, we have a, a good amount of fixing so far, and 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 even ramp. Like we've had three ramp spells now, if you count the one that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Th- we only had two in green last format, right? Yeah, is that right? I, yeah, we had the Naga Bridalist and the Gifts of Paradise. Mm-hmm. So the the hope tender is an uncommon one. It's one in a green for a two two. You may spend one and untap target land while tapping it, or you may spend one tap it, exert it, untap two target lands. So it attacks, it blocks, it pseudo fixes in the same way that painted bluffs did. Now I didn't like painted bluffs that much, although I, I played it occasionally. The, the The fact that is that there's just very little cost having that ability on a creature. And then when you un- when you exert it, you are actually ramping with it. So we do have three rampers here, um, all of which can also do a decent job of of fixing or kind of filtering your lands. So like that gives me hope that at least in sealed, we'll still have the four or five color green deck. Yep. Okay. Uh, need to be aware that overcome is in this format. I saw it references overwalk. Uh, we, we were calling it overjog. Oh, I like it. So we're we're doing a callback to an old card called um, Overrun, which was a very similar effect. This is a very powerful effect. It's three green green for a sorcery. Creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain trample until end of turn. Yeah, nug your opponents for eight to ten and kill all other things. Yeah, if if they're if you're at a position of board parity, this usually breaks it wide open. If you're ahead, you win the game. If you're behind is the only place where this card is not particularly good, but it steals wins so effectively at that board stall position 
And most green decks are able to get to a board stall, right? Like usually your creatures are a little bit bigger than your opponents, but because attacking favors the defender, you don't really have clean attacks. And overcome is exactly the, the style of effect that you're looking for there. Mm-hmm. I also think it's pretty important that we have Rampaging Hippo in this format. This is a common ramp target. So four green green for a five six trampler with cycling for two. It's the greatest hippo worm. <laughs> yeah, it is the greatest hippo worm. The, the fact that we've seen, excuse me, ramp cards and now a ramp payoff at common means that ramp is at least going to be a viable strategy for sealed. He's choking up over this card. He loves it so much. It's he doesn't so want to see it go. It's so good. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's interesting that it's six mana because you can go from four to six with that. Uh, what was it? The Naga. Da, 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 da. Oh, sorry. Oasis Ritualist. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an interesting jump, like a break point in, in that mana uh, curve. So it, it's interesting. And then the, obviously the cycling, you know, just like we had greater greatest sandworm um not not irrelevant so you don't mind having this in your opening hand yeah just be aware if you're playing a ramp deck you can't really cycle this the cycling means that like a a white green beats deck can shove one of these in and not be too unhappy if they have it in their opener Mm -hmm. let's see and then as far as other cards there's always there's a good number of two drops and three drops that are, are quite good for green the one other card that really stood out for me is one you need to be aware of is the tenacious hunter which is two green green for a four, four crocodile. That's already good enough, but wait, there's more as long as a creature, not yours, just any creature has a negative one, negative one counter on it. Tenacious Hunter has vigilance and death touch. Yeah. I mean, death touch on a four, four is not like as valuable as death touch on a one, one, but the fact that it gets vigilance as well is just puts it over the top. It's going to matter when they shove two two threes in front of it. Mm-hmm, exactly. It, it You can't double block it. And then if then you can't swing back through it, right, you can't just let it through and take four. You have to deal with it. So it's a it's a very interesting uh, combination of abilities here. And it shouldn't be that hard to construct a board state in which a creature has a minus one minus one counter on it. Yeah, your opponent may do that for you just by playing an ornery kudu or something in their deck. And like, even if that doesn't come together, it's a four mana four four cards already great. It's just like the, the rest of that could be flavor text and you're still happy. Mm-hmm. So th- those are the cards I kind of wanted to draw attention to. What do you have for us, Dave? Uh, at uncommon, I've got sifter worm. Yeah, this, that's what we're talking kind of about. Another good ramp target. It's a uh, five green green for a seven, seven worm. So your classic worm casting cost, uh, it's got trample. So right there, it's already better than, well, maybe not better than greater sandworm, um, but the, the trample, is more relevant in certain scenarios than they can't be blocked by uh creatures with two power or less yeah um but it's it really shines with the enter the battlefield effect of scry three which is like wait what green why does green get to scry three and then you reveal the top card of your library and you gain life equal to that card's converted mana cost so you you're playing this late game which is great. You're setting up your next draw late game, which is great. And you're probably gaining, hopefully, between three and five life, um, which in incidental life gain, as we've talked about, may be important in this format. So I'm very interested to see where this falls down. And if it is a format in which you can effectively get to seven mana before dying. And then if you do, this comes down and it, it stabilizes you and probably gets you out of afflict range if you're lucky. 
Yeah. And it, it, it's also, I, I think, a benefit that this card doesn't have cycling, which probably sounds a little odd, but this goes in a dedicated ramp deck. So if you are the dedicated ramp green deck and one of these is open to the table a few seats near you, you should probably be able to pick this up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So in- I, yeah, I'm really interested to see where this card uh, kind of comes down in the pick order. Uh, Ronas is stalwart. I know you mentioned there's a lot of two twos and, and things like that, but this is the, the kind of green version of the Gustwalker of the format. Yeah. Um, you can exert it. It gets plus one plus one. So it's a it's a two mana two two. So it's a bear with upside with upside. Um, but it also, when it exerts, it can be blocked by creatures with power two or less, which is obviously better in the early game and not as good as Gustwalker in the late game. Yeah. Um, so not as good as Gustwalker, but I think it might be a staple to drop for green. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm interested in it. So, but yeah, no, I think you hit on most of the other ones that, uh, that I was interested in as far as rares go. Um, I am going to be very sad when I am on the play in my green deck and I go forest forest into Ronus's last stand and my opponent unsummons it on turn two. Uh, Ronus's last stand is green green for a sorcery. Make a five four green snake creature and don't untap your lands. But obviously playing this on turn two against a non blue unsummon opponent is just the dream. Yeah, the card is exceptionally powerful and like don't even side it out if they're playing blue. They have to have unsummon or they're just going to get run over. And who cares if you skip your next turn? Like, what were you doing with it anyway? Not anything this good. If you if you do it early, you don't mind skipping your turn three for a five four snake. Mm-hmm. If you're playing it late, you're don't, you don't have any creatures or, or cards left in hand anyway. So you don't care about not untapping your lands. Yeah. Yeah. The card's just really, really good. Yeah. Um, what else did I have? I had Hour of Promise. So this is an interesting one, um, and I want to know your take on it. Basically, how many deserts you have to have in your deck in order to play this one. So it goes in a written dedicated ramp deck. It's four and a green. Maybe not even a dedicated ramp deck, but whatever. I'll read the text here. Four and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to two land cards. Not basics. Any land cards. Put them onto the battlefield, tap, and then shuffle your library. Then if you control three or more deserts, create two, 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 two black zombie creature tokens that happen to be bears uh they're not bears they're just bears uh period (laughs) so these are you know you get four power and toughness sometimes depending on how many deserts you have so you want to obviously you want to play this with a desert in play or you want to be ramping to seven mana and this is a card to kind of do that so i don't think it's it's good but i think it might have potential you know, maybe if you open a green sealed pool with a bunch of deserts or you happen to be in the desert deck anyway, and this kind of comes around in pack two and you're like, ah, I can speculate on it. Um, I think you want to if you're reliably casting this and getting enough deserts in play that you get the the ability, I think it's a good card. I, I think it's that. And if you have an interest in getting to seven mana, you mentioned yep. Sifter Worm already. We saw the Maw of Chaos earlier. There's there's a legitimate number of seven mana cards in this format that you might want to resolve. And I think you need to do both to make this card good. I think once you've done both, this card's pretty good. If I'm getting the zombies off of it and I have seven drops that I'm interested in casting, I'm sold. Let's do it. What else would I want to be doing? So it, it's it's I think I need to be hitting on both of those. And then how many deserts do I need to have? I'm probably on the at least three in your deck, obviously, but more reliably four. I I think once you can get to four, you can probably have one in your top 10 cards. I I mean, realistically speaking, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then that this will find you the other two so you can get your zombies. 
So I, yeah. I would look at it that way. Make sure you have enough deserts that you're going to get the zombies from it. And then make sure you have something to do with seven mana. Because if this was just four and a green, put, you know, two, two, two tokens into play, we wouldn't be going nuts over it. We'd be like, oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the fact that we get both is what makes it interesting. Exactly. So don't pick it early, but if it is right for you, you may want to get it in pack two, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then a card that I'm interested in, obviously, is the Pride Sovereign, which is the cat, rare cat of the format. Yeah. Uh, two, two and a green for a two, two. Uh, it gets plus one, plus one for each other cat you control. There's a handful of cats that we that we've seen. Um, there's a one in green for sure. Plus, there's the ones in the previous set. Um, but where it really shines is when you're playing green and white because it has the activated ability of white and tap exert. Create two one one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. Yeah, and you could do that like if your opponent misses this and attacks him with a three three, you can block with a pride sovereign, tap it, exert it, and all of a sudden it's a four four on blocks eat them yeah so i think if you get one activation off of this you're very happy absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all i got for green yeah card looks very good to me uh that brings us to the um monocolored cards and i i kind of actually want to run through all of the ones that are at uncommon here for the enemy color pairs mm-hmm. so we can just briefly talk about what those colors are doing notice that there's not allied ones yeah, um, I noticed that as I was going through and I was trying to figure out if I missed them or not. But no, there's just the five. Yeah, they're just they're just not there. So I think we're slightly more incentivized to be drafting enemy color pairs um, in this set um, as opposed to allied ones where we got kind of both of them in, in the last set. But Bloodwater Entity is our, our blue red one. It's one blue red for a 2-2 flying elemental with prowess. When it enters the battlefield, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library hot diggity i love this card (laughs) i don't think it's absurd it's it's pretty cool though like you're going to draw a spell as long as you've cast one casting the spell means it can attack for three if if this was a single color and not gold color i'd probably be over the moon about it but the the main thing i'm interested here is that it it, it's kind of telling us that blue and red are still interested in doing spells things Mm -hmm. the main theme of those two colors hasn't really changed I think there's enough good instants and sorceries in red and blue. Like there's good removal in red and there's good card draw in blue that this is kind of, yeah, you can, you can set up a really good draw with this card and it shouldn't be very difficult assuming you're in that deck. Yeah. And many of those cards have cycling anyway. So like if you have, if you know you have this and you want to redraw that, you can just cycle it, cast this, put that back on top and then have it again. Mm-hmm. The green black card is one green black for an obelisk spider, a one four with reach. When it deals combat damage to a creature, put a negative one, negative one counter on it. Whenever you put one or more negative one, negative one counters on a creature, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Interesting that it it the minus one, minus one counter is not a replacement for the damage. So this effectively does two damage to something. Yeah, when it blocks. When it blocks. So, you know, is that something to keep in mind when you're doing combat math or you got a combat trick or something like that? Um, I kind of like this card it's it's more of a defensive card obviously but if you're playing a a deck with the minus one minus one synergies which there are a lot of in in this kind of block as a whole uh you can you know gain two three four incidental life off of this one um as well as putting a a good blocker on the board yeah it's it's an upgraded giant spider i I think both this and the bloodwater entity are downgrades from their counterparts in m and cat which may not seem like it, but is actually a good thing for the color pair when you're drafting 
because it means you're far more likely to get these once you've solidified into the pair instead of having somebody first picking, you, you know, your decimator beetle. I guess people weren't really first picking the Drake, um, but I still think the Drake's a little bit better than the Bloodwater entity. Mm-hmm. So you can get paid off in pack three if you're if you're solid in your lane. Yeah, I suppose so. Then you can pick up the decimator beetle there. Mm-hmm. Um, our red white buddy is the Resolute Survivors. One red white for a three three sold. You may exert it as it attacks. Whenever you exert a creature, not just this one, Resolute Survivors deals one damage to each opponent, and you gain one life. Interesting. I'm gonna have to go back through um, and look to see how much exert there was in red and white. I, it feels like there was less exert. Maybe not. Maybe there, there's still there's a enough. good amount in, in white, right? Yeah, but it feels like there's enough. less exert in this format than there was in in the previous one, at least in, in those colors. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just kind of pairing it with afflict and kind of, you know, thinking that there's more afflict than there is. So, but the fact that it's a three, three is pretty sweet. Yeah. Again, I, I, I don't think it's quite as good as the card we had from before that was like pumping your team, but this is kind of, almost doing the same a similar job to what uh true heart twins did mm-hmm. true heart twins was you know okay on its own but it really got absurd when you had a bunch of exert creatures mm-hmm. this is pretty good on its own it's a three mana three three if you can reliably cast it there and then it, if you've got enough other exert creatures to really get a big drain in that can add up to a, a lethal attack relatively quickly yeah it's almost like it gives all of your exert creatures afflict one yeah it kind of does kind of but again that incidental life gain right yeah and that matters too like it's a, it's a very good card in a race yeah uh our green blue pair is river river hoopo is that how i say that you got to jump through some hoops to say that one yeah i would say so it's a one three flying bird you may spend three green blue to gain two life and draw a card yeah and it costs green and a blue mm-hmm. this is man this is there's some cool cool uncommons like this one may be the most powerful out of all of them but is it a reason to go green blue i don't know it's 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 a good card i think if you're green blue obviously i love just you know any amount of mana draw a card and gain life it's it's good and if you're in the ramp deck anyway you're going to run into a point where you have too much mana to spend and nothing to spend it on yeah, I think okay. this this is the first of these uncommons. It's actually better than its counterpart because it, like the, mm, the mm-hmm. stats mean that it can actually block some things, peck in for a few points of damage. And then if you're doing what the archetype appears to want to do and you, you run out of things to do with your mana, just draw cards and gain life. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 interested in this one. I don't there's a lot of cards I would first pick over it because it's hard to cast early um but it's a fine lake a card as well um assuming you have five mana that you can spend to start drawing cards so this is this is an interesting card i'm i'm a big fan of it i think me too uh and then unraveling mummy is our white black one this is one white black for a two three zombie kind of lets us Mm -hmm. know what white black is up to uh you may spend one in a white to give target attacking zombie lifelink you may spend one in a black to give target attacking zombie death touch and there's a good number of zombies in this format. Mm-hmm. All your eternalized creatures, a lot of black ones, a lot of white ones, uh, not so much white ones, um, it's just straight up zombies. I think there's more black ones now, but yeah, I, I th- this is this is also a really good card. I think this 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 may be an early pick to try to force the zombie or at least the black white deck. Note that it's not another creature, so right on its own, it's it has lifelink or death touch just on its own when it attacks. Yeah, it can attack. 
through a pair of two threes that your opponent has. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like if they block, you just give a death touch and kill both of them. So and if, if they don't, you give it lifelink and now you've gained two. Yeah. So like it, you kind of nullified most of their attack. So like I, I think the card's very strong if you're black white. And then obviously any additional zombie shenanigans that you can do on top of it are great. Yeah. Just just be aware that it doesn't work on defense. So yeah. we had the pillar bug in, in Kaladesh, which was great because it was a two three with lifelink most of the time on attacks or blocks. This one is only attacks. Yeah. Don't don't get caught by it. Uh, there were three new gods that were introduced in this set. They function a little bit differently than the others and that you don't have to do anything to activate them. I, I don't think we need to go over these cards individually other than to say that all three are absolute earth shattering bombs. Play them, splash for them, get these into your pre-release decks if you're fortunate enough to open them. Yeah, yeah. And, and they come back... <laughs> So, so they're not indestructible. They come back, but you can't get got because they will come back at the beginning of the next end step. So even if it dies in your end step, you will still get it back at the next end step. Whereas there are some end step effects that we've seen where if you miss it before the end step, you lose it. Um, where these do not class, they're not classified as that. They, they, you will get them back as long as they're not exiled. Yeah, just remember to get them back. Just remember to get them back. Put a die on top of your library um, and hope your opponent doesn't exile cards from your graveyard before you get a chance to get it back. That is a way to, to get rid of them, though. If you're if you're trying to figure out, like, well, how do I get rid of these things? I, all I have is regular removal, and oh, I have these cards that exile cards from my opponent's graveyards. Get them on end step, and then exile the card before it gets a chance to come back. Yeah, yeah you can do that. There's a good bit of these Aftermath cards at Uncommon and also some rare ones. Uh, I want to point out a few of these, and then I'll let you hit any cards that we've missed. Mm-hmm. There's a, a special class of these Aftermath cards, especially the um, Uncommon ones, that I think are good enough to play if you're just one of the colors. So like, as you're sitting down and you're doing your pre-release, Farm to Market, I think, is one that's good enough to play just for the white side. So if you're a, a, a green-white deck and you can never cast the blue side of this... Just play it for the white side. It's good enough. So farm is two and a white instant destroy target attacking or blocking creature. It's basically a souped up sandblast, which is great. Like you would just play sandblast, evaluate it as that. And then market the the aftermath side is two and a blue uh, discard, draw two cards and then discard two cards. So the idea is late in the game when you hit a, you know, a couple extra lands that you don't need. You could just cast this and get a faithless looting from your graveyard off of it. Mm-hmm. I think the card's good, but I think it's specifically good enough to play just for the white aspect. All right. I don't mean to alarm you. We got to wrap this up fairly quick because my battery is dying. Okay. Okay. So let's speed through these ones and then we'll do a sign off. All right. Um, struggle is another one that I think is worth playing just for the front side. It's two in a red for an instant deals damage to target creature equal to the number of lands you control. So if you're casting it for three, it's going to kill a three, three. Gets better the longer the game goes. Doesn't really matter if you can flashback survive, uh, which is one in a green. Each player shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. That is a way to get rid of gods, but like it's just good enough to cast on the red side. Um, Grind to dust is fantastic. Again, just for the black side, we're moving into the rare side here. So good. Um, But yeah, this is just one in a black. Put a minus one, minus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. Sorcery speed. And then Dust is three and a white. Aftermath, exile any number of target creatures that have negative one, negative one counters on them. Yeah, I kind of like Driven to, what is it, Driven to Despair? Yeah, Driven to Despair. I, I, we finally talked through this and decided it was a, a reasonable card. 
as long as you're not necessarily behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so one of the green for sorcery until end of turn, your creatures get trample, and whenever they deal damage, you get to draw a card, and then despair is one in a black. Wow, I thought it was three in a black. That's crazy. Nope, just one. Until end of turn, creatures you control gain menace, and whenever they deal combat damage, your opponent discards a card. So you want to be, I think you want to be casting it for four mana more frequently than two. Correct. Um, but you'll have, when you're casting it at that point in the game anyway, like you're not casting it on turn three. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that's an interesting card. Um, I hope to get somebody with it at the pre-release. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, artifacts. Do you see anything cool in here? Yep. There's three artifacts I want to cover that you should be playing at your pre-release, um, with a nod towards the fourth. Um, the nod towards the fourth is traveler's amulet. We've seen this before. It's one mana for an artifact. You can spend one and sacrifice it, search your library for basic land, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. This enables splashing again. So again, as you're sitting down and looking through those cards to build your sealed pool, you can probably play three or four colors. Go ahead and do it. Um, Sunset Pyramid, I expect to be quite good in sealed. This is two for an artifact, enters the battlefield with three brick counters. You may spend two, tap it, remove a brick counter, draw a card, or two, tap it and scry. So it's kind of like a really slow way to draw three cards. And then after that begins scrying, by the time you get to the point where you can scry with it, that's probably worth close to a card because you won't need any more lands. So in a format that's slow in sealed, which I suspect that this still will be, then pyramid's going to be quite good. Uh, God Pharaoh's gift, I think is just a bomb, isn't it? Um, I forget which one that seven mana though. It's so expensive. Yeah, I'm looking for sealed, though. This is our pre-release. Right, you're looking at sealed. So seven mana at the beginning of combat on your turn. Exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that is a copy of that card, except it is a 4-4 black zombie, and it gets haste. Oh, man. I mean, I guess you have a bunch of things in your graveyard when you're on seven mana anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's I'll trust you on that one, that it's a bomb and sealed, but um, it, it seems pretty pricey. It's it's not that hard to get to seven mana and sealed, and we've already seen a lot of ways to ramp to seven mana. Um, you're just incentivized to trade off as many creatures as you can, and then you get this never-ending stream of four fours from your graveyard, not to mention any cycling creatures that you've tossed away along the way to get there, mm-hmm. many of which are going to have abilities, flying, that sort of thing. Card's going to be good. I also yeah. think Abandoned Sarcophagus is pretty close to our Drake Haven from the this 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 set, which is three for an artifact. You may cast non-land cards with cycling from your graveyard. If a card with cycling would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't cycled, exile it instead. So you can kind of cycle through your deck until you find this, cast it, then cast the cycling cards from your graveyard. Any future cycling cards that you draw, you just cycle them and then cast them anyway. So Mm -hmm. it kind of gives you both halves of the cycling. It obviously goes in a cycle-heavy deck, but I think is very good there. The storm count is one. Indeed. Uh, I'm interested in mana lift. Did you, you didn't mention that one, right? No cards garbage. Why is it garbage? It's your, it's your fixing plus ramp in, in non green. Yeah. If, if you need to play this, um, in sealed and you, you want to ramp and fix, you want to do both of those things, then yeah, you can play a mana lift. Interesting because wasn't dark seal ingot just like a, a, a pretty okay card in, in, in a format like sealed as well or yeah. not? It, it was okay. You needed to want to do both things, ramp and fix. Sure. Okay. 
Okay, so, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I was being a little silly with garbage, but like if <laughs> if you need the fixing and you're interested in casting five and six drops, then this is probably going to be pretty good for you. I don't think it's going to be spectacular in draft, but I do think this is yet another way to enable that three, four, five color deck in sealed. And you should definitely be looking for these things. Make sure when you're devoting that many cards to fixing and ramping that you're doing something really powerful uh, once everything comes together. Mm-hmm. All right, and then on to the lands real quick, um, if, if if we don't mind here. Um, you've got the cycling lands, so the deserts that come into play tapped. They add red or green. They're just a single color to your mana pool, and they can cycle for one and a red or one and a green or whatever the color of the land is. Not quite as good, obviously, as the dual lands from the previous one with cycling uh, because of the color cost in the cycling. But I think, I think if deserts matter for you, I think they're good and even if deserts don't mana or matter i am i'm probably okay playing one of these i'm just not picking them that early i'm picking them pretty early once i know i'm in the colors like having your lands be able to cycle into spells light game is kind of a big deal for sealed it doesn't matter so much but i I suspect we'll talk to about these once we get more into drafting i would say in your sealed pre-release if you're these colors play every one you have Mm mm-hmm and then there's the deserts that have activated abilities. So I don't want to go over each each one. Just be aware that some are better than others. So they tap for colorless or you pay one life and tap for the color that, that they are. Um, and then they have some kind of cost, usually three or four mana. And you tap and sacrifice any desert, including itself. And then you get some kind of activated ability. I think they're all sorceries. Yes. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not the blue one. The blue one's not. You're right. Right. Um, but, you know, some of them seem good. Uh, black one in particular uh, put minus one minus one counters on things um, obviously they they go up in value as you have more deserts I think um, it's just there's a cost to, to playing these and it's going to cost you one or two life total I think um, you know if, if you have to play it early so um, you know you, again your mileage may vary on those I don't know where that where they'll be in the pick order but they are in common so you're not going to see a ton of them yeah I, I think specifically to your point the black the white and the red ones are going in every deck I have um, that yep. is those colors, whereas the blue and the green ones are going in if I need deserts or if I think I can make use of that effect, which will not always be the case. Yeah, man, I'm excited. This uh, it seems like it shakes up the set. There's some neat synergies. I like the desert theme. I like I mean, the the flavor of the set is just incredible, too. It's fantastic. So it's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. So sorry we had to cut this a little short with my battery. I don't have actually have a plug in down here, so I'm going to have to re- remember that for next time when we have to do this but we did happen to fit it in under two hours just about an hour and a half of devastation pretty close pretty close and it wasn't a devastating end of the podcast with me running out of batteries so yeah Yeah. thank you for hanging out i really appreciate this um not only you travis but you the listener um and travis had actually he wanted to reach out to our listeners so i think you had something that you wanted to to ask of them this time Yeah, just if you're digging the podcast, consider leaving us a review on wherever you find it. You can do that in iTunes, which is where I get my podcast from. There's other places you'll get them if you're not an Apple person. Um, Or consider telling a friend about the podcast. Uh, Like we've ended up putting, I've put a lot of work into this. Dave hasn't, but I have. And (laughs) uh, let us know through feedback what we could be doing better. Um, And then, like I said, leave us a review if you like the podcast. Those things really help other people find them so we can reach a bigger audience and you know do more podcasts in the future we're looking to one day make this a weekly podcast instead of every other week and uh we can do that with your help absolutely so without further delay 
we're going to do our our thank you to face to face games and manadeprive.com again for hosting us and uh thanks to you travis this was a lot of fun as it always is uh i know you're always super busy with your stream and you did your six hour set review so i really appreciate appreciate you uh taking the time to hang out and talk hour of devastation with me i've always got time for you and our listeners dave (laughs) outstanding so thank you again to our listeners and uh, we hope your pre-release is a good one and we'll be back two weeks from now uh after the pre-release and we'll be talking about uh our first impressions on magic online so we hope to see you then adios